Hello and welcome into the Feels Like 45 podcast. I'm your host, Cade Webb. And as always, I'm joined by Dustin Ragusa. And man, it's a great day to be a Cowboy. Seven and one coming off a huge win, dominating fashion over the Kansas Jayhawks. We called it the Kansas Free Space last week. I think it lived up to the billing, don't you? I do. I think we said on here, KU wasn't going to score a touchdown until garbage time. And we were almost right. They didn't score a touchdown at all. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, they, we didn't even talk about the, the possibility of them ever getting a first down. That wasn't anything <laughs> that ever, you know, broached the subject. We never talked about it. That was crazy. You know, Gundy's trying to talk. Obviously, he's got to say this stuff on his radio show and the pregame presser about it being a fourth quarter game. He kind of went back to that, you know, after the game presser talking about KU playing well, they had, they played well against OU, but that we talked about it off air that that's just an anomaly been beaten like this by several teams in the big 12. And I'm not really, I'm, I'm a little shocked at the 55 points just with how we've been scoring recently, but not shocked at this huge win at all. Yeah, no, not at all. I think we, we even talked about it. Both of us were significantly under in, in the amount of points that Oklahoma state would score. You could chalk up the two, you know, touchdowns after a a turnover that, that helps. But um, yeah, man, it was a a dominating win and really about all you could ask for, I think. But before we get into all that, there are congratulations in order for you, sir. (laughs) Uh, Congratulations on being a dad. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Tell the world. We had a little girl born right before the homecoming game. So shout out to her for doing that. So I could watch some of the game after, but yes, she was born in the evening on Saturday. My wife uh, was awesome. She's an amazing, just amazing throughout the whole pregnancy. So shout out to her as well, but yes, new dad living the new dad life. uh, Yeah. Hey, did she really care that you awesome were breaking down game film, you know, right after she's born? I mean, born in the <laughs> evening of homecoming. Are you are you breaking down film right then and there? Yeah, we were having some discussions during the game. She's an Illingworth fan, so she knows how big of a Sanders truther I am. So we had a little disagreement right off the bat, but we're yeah. fine now. Uh, we well, well, she's precious, it. man. She's she's absolutely precious. And that's that's two girls on the feels like 45 podcast now oh, yeah. obviously my my two-year-old daughter and and your newborn baby girl so it's fantastic and the pictures are amazing and i'm i'm thankful that everybody's healthy and uh, yeah it's it's a it's you're, a great great deal man you're talking about the two future first female starting quarterbacks of oklahoma state yeah, that's right are they going to be competing for the starting job how's that gonna so. go how's Those that gonna suck. go yeah, that would be really I mean, we'll tough. We'll never talk on, to each other again. I know that would be tough on our relationship. There's no doubt about <laughs> it. We w- we would have some interesting conversations for the podcast, right? <laughs> no, but I appreciate it for real. Thanks for that, and excited to uh, yeah start start life as a dad. Yeah, brother. Well, it doesn't uh, it changes every day, and it's it's literally something new. And I think most dads listening, most moms listening, uh, would agree with that. That uh, what you got in store for you is is uh shocking but all <laughs> the great stuff like it changed my life for the better i mean literally like there's a bookend in my life from from before i had olivia and after it's, it's yeah. just completely different and i'm and i'm thankful for it and i'm thankful that you guys are going through it two amazing parents and yeah it's just we could go Thanks. on and on we we would need a parenting podcast maybe <laughs> maybe we spin off that way right <laughs> I think I would suck at that right now, but Uh, yeah, well, and nobody would want to listen to my parenting advice because it's, it's not the best, but anyway, man. Yeah. 
One one just little tidbit, probably don't do a podcast like four days after your uh, daughter is born. Uh, I wasn't with everybody. Yeah, I wasn't going to mention it, um, but I'm looking at my watch here. And I mean, it's only like 96 hours post birth. Um, shout out here to for the, Lauren. I do it for the fans. Yeah, shout out to your for, wife. I'm here for our 10 listeners. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And our 500 Twitter followers. So uh, <laughs> it's a weird ratio. No, just kidding. But man, I, again, I'm, I'm thankful for you and, and happy that everything is going well. But we got a big time uh, show for everybody. We got a lot to talk about. Obviously, college football playoff rankings were just announced prior to, you know, Dustin and I sitting down recording. So we'll jump into that. No Big 12 basketball, really news, anything. Homecoming and Hoops was last weekend. And looked like an interesting time out at uh, the beta house. Shout out to the betas. But um, Dustin, again, total domination, really from start to finish. What's the biggest takeaway for you from this game? Because, again, it is the Kansas free space. Everybody gets a crack at it. But what from this game are you taking away? I think my biggest takeaway is that I was way more positive, I feel like, on the Iowa State podcast than I'm going to be on this one. My biggest takeaway is Kansas just isn't very good. Oklahoma State looked great. Defense looked great. It's amazing to shut out anybody for the first-team defense, even if it is Kansas. But I would just take this one with the fact that Kansas is not very good at football. I mean, what was yours? Uh, for me, I mean, that was actually mine is it's still shocking how bad Kansas is that that literally was my answer. So I won't go with that. What I will go with is the timing of a tune up game like that. You've got, again, your, your home stretch here. This, this is the season. Everything has gone really according to plan. I don't think anybody expected Oklahoma state to be undefeated at this point. So to be seven and one looking at West Virginia, TCU tech and OU, I really is about all you could have asked for in the preseason, at least in my opinion. And I'm a pretty positive Oklahoma state optimistic fan. Um, so what I will say, yes, Kansas garbage, no doubt about it. And I feel bad for them. I feel bad for their fans, frankly. Uh, you know, the nice gentleman I went on the podcast with last week on the rock job, podcast. The hey, thank you. Holding down the fort for the feels like 45 crew. Happy I to listened. do it. Hey, Thank you. Um, Andy does a great job over there. Andy admits it at the Rock Chalk podcast. But, you know, I, I am thankful that Kansas is in the Big 12 simply for the reason that you're always going to have them. And I don't know how long they're going to be bad. I really don't. And I'm not even trying to dig at them. But the timing. Of I like that, Lance Leipold. I do, too. I like Lawrence. Sorry to Sometimes. No, yeah. you're good. Yeah. I like the wheel. I like the Hawk, all great bars um, <laughs> there. It's a great college town with a horrendous football program. And my point to that again, is that it was at the perfect time for that type of performance against that type of opponent, because really, I don't think you could feel better about yourself in my opinion, going into this home stretch of the season. So that would be my takeaway. And it's all those points were great. And it's kind of like a, like you're talking about kind of a momentum gainer team morale booster. The guys were having so much fun on the sideline. Gundy talked about it too post game, just about the starters being there for all the second and third string guys and being hyped up on the sideline when sessions made that interception, things like that are happening. Uh, Nixon's having some great runs and everybody's just pumped up. So that that's cool. It's kind of like, like you said, like a free space bi-week type thing where you're still playing a game, but you're able to, kind of get that morale booster you're able to rest the starters for a little a little more than an entire half 
And I think, I think we did see some cool things there. If you want to get into it they're on offense. I, I think there was, they still, they ran zone pretty much every play of the running game. Right. They had the cool reverse with this big time Sanders block, which we can talk about more, but just kind of scheme wise, this was the first time we really saw heavy and, and I'm only going to talk about the, for kind of scheme and personnel and play calling wise, I'm only going to talk about the Spencer Sanders series, which was about 42 plays. But during that time, you've got the 50% of the time it was 11 personnel, 45%, 12 personnel, 5%, 10. That's the largest 12 personnel we've seen all season. Here's kind of a rundown just real quick. Missouri State was nine, Tulsa was 30, Boise State 21%, K-State 12, Baylor 13%, Texas 13%, and only 2% at Iowa State of 12 personnel. So you're looking at a huge, huge difference there in the formations they threw out. And what you can chalk that up to is, even though he was back last week, they were kind of working him in, but Logan Carter back in, and now they know that Braden Cassidy can play that starting Cowboy back role and they knew Logan Carter could. So just putting both of those guys into the game and basically they really only ran two different formations the entire game. They went double wing backs out of 12, uh, 12 personnel. So both Cowboy backs next to each tackle, slightly off the line of scrimmage with Warren in the backfield. And then out of 11 personnel, they had the Cowboy, one Cowboy back at H back, two receivers, twins to one side, one receiver to the other side. And that was pretty much it. They ran trips a few times and then they went to the diamond formation, but then motioned into the double wing. So there really wasn't a lot of diversity there. And like I said, a lot of zone running game, the play calling was pretty vanilla. I don't know. I, I know you and I, I think we were texting about it and I was texting a little bit with Adam one about it, but those passes that Sanders is throwing outside the hash and the offensive line is still blocking zone. Those are pre-snap RPOs he basically sees the defender in off coverage and knows he has that curl come back hitch route over there that he can throw to Tay Martin. And that's Sanders call if he wants to throw that. So that's not some kind of like new play calling wrinkle or anything. That's just a field read pre-snap RPO. So not a lot of crazy things, not a lot of creativity, but they just executed well and they just smashed the ball down Kansas's throat. Well, I, I guess I've never really considered that. I mean, you can see it, you know, keying on that, you know, uh, pre-snap RPO that you were talking about. You can see it when the when the play is starting, Tay's got space or Jaden Bray's got space. So get it out there. And almost always that's what happens. But I guess I never realized that that was an option that the quarterback has to either hand it off or do something else with it. But I, I don't know. That's a that's a nice little wrinkle there that I had never considered, even though you can still tell like that's where the ball is going because of that off cover, right. as you mentioned. Yeah. So that's just more credit to kind of what we talked about at Iowa State. Spencer yeah, taking, Sanders. Taking what just the defense gives you. Great. Taking what the defense gives you. Spencer Sanders making some great decisions, really improving on his decision making overall. There was also, like I said, um, there was some cool things in the red zone. They did we remember the Brennan Presley jerk route where he faked out, came back in against Iowa State, and Sanders hit him for the touchdown. Well, this time they run the out route. He stays going out, and Tay Martin comes across for the little pick play where he sets the legal uh, yeah. pick with quotations on the defender there, catches it for the touchdown. So that's some cool stuff. Dunn's been mixing up some cool stuff in the red zone passing game. But 
Other than that, the offensive line, our interior guys, Godlewski, Woodard, Sills, they blocked great. You saw Preston Wilson, what we talk about. He got the start. We mentioned that on the podcast last week. You saw Springfield a little bit, but I think I counted 90% of those 42 snaps was Preston Wilson. And I think going forward, it's going to be more Wilson. Springfield ran with the second team when they came in. They Wilson's great. I think he's a great run blocker. He's not super strong. He's got pretty good technique, but Kieran was causing him some issues when he was running fast off the edge uh, for KU. But I think he, I think it was right to go with him over Springfield. And that was really it. I don't have a ton of other notes on the first team. I, I thought Sanders played really well. Like I said, that block was insane. Yeah. Well, I know people don't love the quarterback to block, but I, I thought it was awesome. I do, especially against Kansas. That's a That shows a lot. Um, I do want to talk a little bit about Spencer Sanders, though, mainly because I think you and I have been riding this train since Texas that the light bulb appears to be turning on. And, you know, again, with the caveat that it is Kansas, Spencer, to me, has played the best two games of his career back to back. Like, he, at least this is the best two game stretch of his career. He has strung two very high quality performances together. I mean, he was doing things on Saturday, the, stepping up in the pocket, feeling the pressure getting rid of the ball when it's not there or, or what I loved was tucking the ball and running up the field. He, he has a a tendency to not do that or tuck the ball and run East and West and, and get three yards when he really probably could have gotten 13 just by going North and South. He did that on multiple occasions. And again, I mentioned it last week. You mentioned it last week. This is a, a like clear, in my opinion, uh, indicator that there's some significant development taking place and that this the leap is happening. That's the way yeah, I that's, see it. It's a great point for you to bring up the run game because I actually wrote down so the past three games, so KU, Iowa State, and then um, – sorry, now I'm blanking. Kansas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> those, those last three games, so Sanders has 131 rushing yards on 23 carries. That's excluding the sacks and kneel downs, 5.7 yards a carry. And Gundy mentioned on his radio show that Sanders gains confidence from getting some early good runs, whether it be QB designed run, whether that be a scramble. And you've seen against KU, against Iowa State, Sanders hit on some early runs. I guess it calms him down. The line was able to protect him in both of those games early. And he just gets comfortable, knows it kind of gives him some confidence, some swagger from what Gundy's saying. And you can tell, you can see it in there when you go back and look at that stuff. And he's really, really played well over these past three games. And I'm really excited to see what he can do going forward. Yeah. Well, I felt like I hammered KU pretty hard in the the open, but uh, you forgetting their name and who we just played is a bigger disc than I could have come up with. So KU fans, if you're you're mad at me, direct your attention to Dustin here. K no sorry I was saying KU Iowa State Texas I forgot Texas there gotcha 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 no you're you're good that's fantastic well again not a ton of storylines other than the offense looked fantastic as good as you would expect uh I will ask you Dustin who got more rest this weekend the Oklahoma State starters on offense or you (laughs) (laughs) probably the Oklahoma State starters on offense. yeah that's what that's what I was expecting so if you want to shift, Cade, then I do have one question for you on this first 42 snaps, and hopefully this doesn't take us down a huge rabbit hole, but 
is Tay Martin the best route runner at outside receiver Oklahoma State's have in a while? And I'm including Tylen Wallace in that. Ooh, just pure route running ability. Just pure the whole thing, not just like Tylen, obviously great at the top of his routes, great at being physical on his routes, but pure all around route running, cutting, breaking at the stem, getting just finding space and zone coverage, which we've seen Tay do a lot on those in breaking routes. Oh, that's is, a great is he, question. Is he is he the best route running outside receiver? Because obviously Dylan Stoner, great great route running inside receiver, but I don't want to count the inside guys. I just want to talk outside. I don't think there's a crisper, smoother route runner than Tamar. You know, the one, it's a fantastic question. And I think you're right. The one that I would throw out there as an option and granted, we saw this in limited, you know, capacity, but you know, really I think back to Bedlam 2017 is Tyron Johnson. Like, Oh yeah. There were times that that dude could put the burners on or stutter step you into the ground. I will say, just based on book of work, Tay Martin is, as you're saying, I agree with you, but I would say, you know, because, you know, I'm now I'm going down the list. I wouldn't say, you know, Tylen was better. I wouldn't even say James Washington was better. Again, all incredible receivers, better than Tay Martin at this point in their career, but Tay Martin just from pure route running ability, pretty damn good. His, he, he has the out and up. He does that. He ran it against KU, but it's a, it looks like a go. He stutters, making you think he's going to break, takes off on the go. So the defensive back is thinking, okay, that was a stutter step. Now he's go route. I got to bail. I got to run. Then when he gets to 12 yards, he breaks again to the sideline comeback route wide open. It's, it's almost just, unguardable because like, I think back to the Texas game, first play of the Texas game, he runs that stutter and go. You can see the route develop on the top of your screen and he burns him, but then you have to factor in, as you just mentioned, the, the possibility of even after the stutter, he can put the brakes on. I don't know how I would look out there trying to, to stop that. <laughs> it, it just goes, it just goes to show you, and I don't want to go back and like blame some of the games where the offense has looked poor on this, but not having Tay Martin out there is huge because defenses have to shade help over to his side and you saw it in this Kansas game. Basically, what OSU was doing early on with that double wingback formation is they were kind of – Kansas basically had nine in the box. They went four down, three linebackers, and they had their two safeties like seven or eight yards off the ball. So OSU had tight receiver splits, meaning their receivers were split pretty close to the line of scrimmage. And basically what they were doing is they were running in on the zone runs and blocking those safeties – because the linemen can get to the second level guys, which is how we were still able to run the ball. That and the fact that KU's defense isn't very good. But later in the game, they start spreading those splits out wider. KU's leaving their safeties in seven to eight yards because they can't stop the run. They've got to keep them there. So then you get Tay Martin one on one on the outside, and he absolutely destroyed that guy out there. <laughs> So that was just amazing to see that that was kind of cool that Dunn was doing just playing around with those wide receiver splits one more thing I forgot to mention earlier but just kind of going back to Tay watching him out there run routes is a treat if when they show the all 22 view in replays it's just awesome to see what he can do. Well, it, it makes you wonder how, how much longer we get out of it. I, I don't know. 
the specifics on the COVID rule. I would think he's got the ability to take that and come back next year, but he, he may be draft bound if he wants to, I don't know. He's putting a lot on film right now. You know, the yeah. one thing before we move on to the defense, Dustin, I want to point out good to see Bryson green back. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. I, the green bros are so awesome. I, well, I, I think they're going to be great players. They, they obviously we've talked about some of their mistakes lining up on the wrong side, things like that. But both of those guys are just freak athletes. As true yeah. freshmen. And, and Blaine was kind of the one with more fanfare in camp. We had heard he was, he really was tearing it up and, and standing out and won the starting job. Bryson is no slouch. That dude is yeah. going to be a good ride wide receiver, maybe good to great wide receiver at Oklahoma state. I mean, he's big for a true freshman. They're both big. They are. Did you see, uh, I was actually going to look it up right now. Uh, how big Blaine is. Did you see them line him up at cowboy back a couple times? I, I was, love that. Why don't they throw Bryson back there either? Both of them are big enough. That's what I was going to, the, the weight for some reason isn't on the OSU roster. I'll go to ESPN. So they have Blaine listed at six, one, two I'm pretty sure if you don't count Silas bar, I believe most of the, cause he's a converted tackle but I believe most of the cowboy backs are around the 230, 250 range. You put you put 20 more pounds on Blaine Green. I think he can keep his athleticism. And most of those guys are around 6'1, 6'2, 6'3. I think he could play cowboy back. Well, you look at an yeah. animal. You look at like the the best, you know, cowboy backs, H backs around the country, like Jeremiah Hall. He's no bigger than, you know, six foot, 240. Like yeah. you, you throw a couple more pounds on, on Bryson Green. And you know what I would like to see, though, is, is maybe, I mean, shoot, maybe they're holding on to this or maybe you and I are coming up with something. Those two guys are big enough to play in that role, not necessarily as a road grader, but to potentially be that, you know, kind of flex wide receiver, halfback, throw them in the backfield, kind of move them around in the, in the tight end spot and get creative with them. I don't know. They're, they're big enough to where you could potentially see some of that. Yeah. And it's kind of a way, you know, we haven't seen Oklahoma state run a ton of 10 personnel this year, which is no cowboy backs out there. One running back. So four receivers, if, if they were to go tempo, but still kind of run some of the base plays of their offense, they could throw the green brothers in there at cowboy back, then go two by two, four wide you know, kind of mix things up, go five wide, even with the running back out there. So it's a way you could kind of mix in some tempo with 10 personnel, but maybe not lose some of the effectiveness of the cowboy back in some of those plays. So yeah, that's a good point. And that's, that's really cool. And I did have one more, yeah. if you're okay to move on. I did have one yeah. more question for you. I told you off the podcast because we got to talk about the second half a little bit. Who was your, I'm going to ask you for the defense too, but who was your favorite second half player? It doesn't have to be they looked the best, but who was someone you were excited to see? Maybe they did look awesome. I have mine, but I want if you want me to go first. If you yeah, want go to go first. Second. You may jog my memory. Okay, so I'm going to go with Jaden Nixon, running back. He had 11 carries, 53 yards, so 4.8 yards a carry. I love this dude. He's he's so fast, and he's so much different than Jalen Warren. Not. Jalen Warren's one of the best cutback running backs I've ever seen. And he is very fast, but Jalen's not afraid to run through somebody. Same as Dom, Dominic Richardson. He'll run through somebody. It's crazy to see a Jaden Nixon back there because Dunn even mentioned he doesn't like that. He does this. He, he mentioned after the game, he thought he played well, but he thought he wanted him to kind of stick his head down and run through, run through the offensive line a couple of times instead of busting outside, but he's got the speed to bust Big it time. outside. Eight. So when I went to that practice in the spring, I actually 
overheard like a creep, some of the uh, coaching staff talking about Nixon had just run his hundred meter personal record, 10.54 in track. <laughs> do, you, do you know, do you know what Cuba's fastest time in high school? 10.55. So that's faster. If you can do the math, 10.54 is faster than 10.55. So that is blazing speed. And just having a running back back there, with that kind of speed, it's just and, a nice change up from what we've been seeing this year. And he's big. He's bigger than yeah. I thought he was. Um, yeah. It, I, he would actually have been the the one that stood out. I mean, he got 11 carries. He was featured pretty heavily. You know, I, I made the comparison. I'll, I'll give you Dominic Richardson, not to just keep it in the backfield. I've got another one, too. Um, but just to see another change of pace back, completely different than Jalen Warren. I think Dominic Richardson is Chris Carson light. I, I he yeah. runs very similar to Chris Carson and he runs like pissed off. Like he it's looks scary. like he wants to hurt you. It makes me scared watching on TV. So <laughs> <laughs> he, I don't know. I, I would love to see more of him. And I, again, I'm thankful that we got to see that and Jalen Warren gets some, some much needed rest, which is, you know, maybe a, a hidden storyline in all this, but um, I Dominic Richardson stood out. It was also good. Uh, another Richardson, John Paul Richardson. Good to see him. Get his I first was hoping you were going to say, yeah, yeah, JP. I, yeah, it he's looks great. like he's Dylan Stoner. Runner. Looks like yeah. Dylan Stoner running around out there. Speaking of route runners, he's a great route runner. No doubt and you about can it. tell Illingworth was really comfortable throwing him the ball. He was looking them as the first read multiple times on those out routes, and John Paul caught him. Made yeah. made a couple moves after the play. Just and last thing, Shane. Thought he played. Thought he played well. He sets his feet. He throws some nice balls. He's he's kind of a statue back there. But if if you get some good protection, he can throw the ball around the yard. He's he's like a baby deer. He doesn't. Yeah. He doesn't move well or graciously at all. And so uh, we've talked about this I, maybe before we had the podcast. But <laughs> he. he does everything else well except move in the pocket. And what I'm thankful for is that Oklahoma State knows what they have in their backup quarterback, where a lot of times, you know, I look back to the Dallas Cowboys last night, Cooper Rush never played an NFL game. It's like, you know what you got in Shane Illingworth. So God forbid something happens. The offense should still be able to maintain with him out there. Yeah, that's that's actually, Kate, that's such a great point. And I have the stats on this. You know, I talked about just 45%. 12 personnel when Sanders was out there. They only went 11% 12 personnel when Illingworth and Bullock were out there and 24% 10 personnel. To, so to your point, get get the receivers out there when Shane's out there. And, let and, and get, the, the get the ball out of his hand. Yeah. Good. So, great point there. Well, wrapping up the offense, again, not much more you could ask for. Great week of rest um, for, for that squad and, and much needed. Dustin, moving on to the defense, probably the, the storyline of this game. You know, I mean, Kansas held the, to zero first downs. Was it through halftime? They didn't have a first down through halftime. Is that right? Yes. So they had zero first downs through halftime. They had 39 total yards, <laughs> 2.4 yards per carry rushing, obviously zero points, 0 for 8 on third down, 0 for 1 on fourth, and only 26 total plays and two interceptions. <laughs> That is absolutely outrageous. The 26 total plays might be the the most shocking one, obviously in the first half, but that number is crazy. I I mean, there there's not much more you can say. For every unit on the field on the field was 
dominant. Defensive line showed out again. My boy Brandon Evers looked fantastic. Colin Oliver doing his thing, reaching in the bag of money, throwing it up in the air. Like, what more could you ask for again from this side of the uh, of the ball? This, I actually didn't look at some of these advanced stats until just now. <laughs> <laughs> You've and been giggling. You've been giggling for like fifteen seconds. <laughs> <laughs> their their field position rate, KU's field position. So these are whole game stats now. I don't have these by half, but their field position rate. So their percentage, the percentage of plays they run on the on OSU side of the field, 10%. Only 10% of their plays were on OSU side of the field. Their power rushing, so rushes with two or less to go that converted for a first down, 0 for 5. So that's 0%. <laughs> and then their run stuff. So rushes that are stopped for no gain or a loss, 24% of their runs sheesh you just you just feel bad for them i mean honestly and and against a defense like that they kind of got a a dose of that against iowa state and then they see a similar defense and it's the same thing again um i mean it really makes you wonder what in the world happened the weekend before the weekend in the middle of those two games in lawrence against uh ou but beyond that like containing a dual threat quarterback granted kid couldn't throw he he lit up OU for 250 last week but I mean 10 yards passing total from from Jason Bean I want to call him Jimmy Bean every time I say his name (laughs) but again nothing more you could ask for and the storylines go on and on well we talked about it last week we said this is going to be the most one of the with Iowa State the most confusing defense coverage wise Mm. that because Jim Knowles is going to throw crazy blitzes at him. He's going to switch from man to zone. And that, that being his face, and he didn't look good against Iowa State, so I didn't see any reason he was going to look good against us, against Oklahoma State, and he didn't. He looked absolutely terrible throwing the ball. And because he threw those interceptions and because Oklahoma State was scoring on offense, they couldn't really go to the zone read game. They were down 24 points basically right after the game started. Yeah. So I, I'm not really sure what you, what you wanted him to do. He's not a great thrower. We talked about that. He likes to throw on the run. What did Oklahoma State do? They started blitzing the cornerback. He can't roll out if they're blitzing the cornerback from the right side, the side that he likes to roll out to. Started trying to <laughs> roll him out to the left, and then they blitzed the corner from that side. I don't well, know how Knowles knew they were going to do that. but I think OU gave us uh, some nice film on how, how to beat the freshman quarterback at Kansas, blitz the corner from the right side of the field, his strong side, because they just absolutely smoked OU with that quarterback rollout. And that was really the one of the only things they did consistently well. You know, OU made several adjustments, but they were able to still roll him out to the right. And they really kind of ran that levels concept that we talked about a couple weeks ago. They just feasted on OU at that, and it was not there against Oklahoma State. And I'll give you some props. We did this on Twitter, but you called it, almost verbatim that that he was going to throw multiple picks against this defense and it was true within like the first 18 minutes of game time yeah you could tell and just for example the the pick that Harville Peel made which I need to go back and trash myself I have said before that I Colby Harville Peel is an awesome player but I think he's a much better run defending safety than pass, pass coverage I meant to kind of save myself and maybe this isn't what I meant, but I'm just going to say it to make myself look better, but I'm more meant man coverage. Cause in zone, he's a freak. He, well, he's a ball hawk out there in zone and on, they were in cover three. I think it was cover three sky. I was talking to Lon about it 
might have been cover three buzz. The differences between those is what Jason Taylor's doing on those. But he he just picked that post route right off like he knew exactly what was going to happen. Well, and and Taylor kind of did the same thing, obviously, on that tip drill, but they're always in the right spot at the right time. But, you know, going back to Colby Harville-Peel, he has shown that over, over you know, the five years he's been in Oklahoma State. I think back to that big pick he had against Purdy last year in Stillwater. Ball's thrown up in the air, and he's floating back, floating back, floating back, and, and high points it like a wide receiver. He's yeah. shown that ability over the years, but, I mean, Man, even Mike Gundy talked about his his ability in the run game, specifically on his radio show this weekend. It just shows up every week on film. They fit so perfectly in the run game against KU this week. Everyone had their assignment down. My guy, Devin Harper. Mm. I know, obviously, Malcolm Rodriguez, he's on the Buckus Award list. That's awesome. He's been having an awesome year, deserves it. I think he can make it in the NFL. But the one thing that sucks about everybody talking about Rodriguez is I don't think Devin Harper gets enough credit. And that dude is a monster, especially the fact that all the injuries he's had to come back and play like this this season. And some of the hits that he put on KU on Saturday hurt hurt me watching on TV. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a physical mismatch out there. And Oklahoma State defense doesn't really play around too much. And um, I can't wait to see what they do in this coming weeks, uh, especially against a, a much more formidable opponent in West Virginia. Uh, Dustin, before we move on to that, I mean, is there anything else on the defense that we're missing? I mean, we kind of talked about this, that the storylines are limited because of just the utter domination that took place. Yeah, because I think it would be a lot of us repeating what we said right. against Iowa State because we thought that they still played well in that game, and we shouted out Antoine. We shouted out Evers, who dom- absolutely again, dominated KU. Again. I don't know if we mentioned Jaden Jernigan against Iowa State. He looked great. Also had a great quote from Gundy talking about how uh, Jason Bean was the fastest quarterback he faced after Jernigan chased him down. He came over and was like, coach, I couldn't (laughs) catch that guy. He's the fastest guy we've played against. So I thought that was funny, but Jernigan played great. Harper all over the place. Jason Taylor and Malcolm Rodriguez, KU's motion, pre-snap motion was not fooling them at all. They literally weren't moving and then just going exactly where the ball was um too heady too smart too veteran yeah and then christian holmes had some great plays and coverage he's so good hey he tried to pull up roger brown he tried to pull up roger brown you see that yes he he's awesome he's took taken such a leap just in the weight room he's absolutely jacked and just in coverage in general but before we move on let me ask you the same question Mm. who is your young guy or doesn't have to be young guy. Who is your second team, third well, team guy I, that, you, that you liked out there? You actually already named him, and it is a young, younger guy that we didn't see last year. It's Jaden Jernigan. He he looked fantastic. I'm always watching that interior defensive line too, mainly because Brennan Evers is my guy. He's he's been a freak <laughs> this year, and so I want to. We need to make shirts. I know. Just Brendan Evers is my guy. Just right across <laughs> my chest. <laughs> That'd be a little weird, I think, but. Yeah, we'll go with it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Jernigan is one that I've kind of had my eye on since he he came to Stillwater. Undersized in terms of height, I think he's under. Is he under six foot or is he right at he's, six foot? I think I think he's at six foot. But if he's listed any taller than that, he's not. He's not right. So undersized kind of reminds me of a DeQuinton Osborne type player. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that super disruptive in the middle. Um, and again, is is pretty young. Didn't didn't play last year because of COVID. Opted out. Um, it's been good to see him back there. And, and I thought, you know, again, with, with watching, you know, film once on this Kansas game, 
I thought he stood out and he stood out live to me. So it was good to see him out there. What about you? I think my guy was, he had a little bit of issues in the off season, but it, it, oh, he's nice. an absolute beast out there. Rucker, Trey Rucker. Yeah. Darius Rucker. <laughs> <laughs> Do I have that wrong? Great reference. <laughs> okay. But he, he's a, almost looking like a Colby Harbell peel out there, the way he can fit into the run game. And he made some absolutely amazing tackles and he's fast enough to cover guys in, in coverage. The fact that he isn't taking up a scholarship and can play like that. I'd like to see him on the field next year because I think he's a solid player. And just knowing how deep we are at safety with Sean Michael Flanagan with him, Kendall Daniels, who we haven't even really seen yet. And the fact that it's one of our best position units on the defense, if not the best. I mean, I think you and I would love the defensive line, but obviously I think safety yeah. might be the best. And the fact that it's so deep is, and guys are coming back is absolutely insane. Well, you know, kind of keep it on the secondary. It was good to see Corey Black and Jabbar Muhammad get a lot of reps out there on, mm -hmm. on Saturday. Those two guys, you know, obviously they're, they're running the twos at the cornerback spot, but they're still young. I think both redshirt freshmen, maybe Muhammad's redshirt sophomore, I need to brush up on the depth chart a little bit, how old they are, but not a ton of experience out there. And so them getting some, some extra reps on Saturday, it's a big deal. And I thought both of them looked pretty good. I did too. And I think the only note I didn't hit looking back at my notes was we kind of touched on it, but you mentioned the team watching OU film. They definitely did because OU hit that – it looked like an identical play that post route for a touchdown that Colby Harvell picked right. off. So I'm sure that was another situation where Knowles saw the formation, called it, down, <laughs> called it down from like he did against Texas, called it down. That guy's just a freak with his just quick thinking in-game decision-making. So I'm sure that those two were connected. Do you think Knowles and, and Harvell Peel just kind of wink at each other? Like, mm. you know, you know what this is. Like, yeah. It's, it's awesome to see how much he, Knowles, Colby Harvell Peel, and Jason Taylor, the, the bond that those guys have with them standing it's pretty up interesting. after the game. It's cool that you can tell the players really like him. So well, that was fun. But yeah. And it and it tracks on, you know, some of the things we've we've seen and heard. You know, obviously the Mike Gundy radio show talks about that all the time. And the Orange Power podcast a couple weeks ago had Colby Harvell Harvell Peel and Jared Bernard Converse on went in depth on, on Jim Knowles, just talking about how great of a coach he is. He's a player's coach and um, it's backed up when, when you two guys come and hug you on the, on the, you know, press conference floor. That's pretty awesome. So anyway, we won't belabor the point. Nothing else you could ask for, in my opinion. Um, you know, I will say that's actually not true. We, sh I wanted to see Gunner. I was like standing up in my living room, wanted a little Gunner Gundy. I did too. And no, no, I thought we were going to get him. I just wanted to see Gundy. I know. I thought we were going to get him. So it didn't did happen. That would have been awesome. Didn't happen. But one of these days it will. And uh, hopefully not anytime soon because Oklahoma State's on a tear right now. Uh, before <laughs> we move on, let's just hear a word from our sponsor real quick. Symbol is a stock market for sports that allows you to profit off of your sports knowledge. And on Symbol, you can trade sports like stocks, and every time your team wins, you earn cash. What's better than cash? Use your sports knowledge on Symbol to buy low, sell high, and earn cash payouts when your teams win. Join the 8,000-plus early adopters who have started to invest in their favorite teams. Visit www.simbull.com 
to create a free account. And when you deposit, make sure to use our promo code FEELS12 for a money back guarantee. Yep, you heard that right. No buffering here. Symbol is offering a money back guarantee to all the listeners of our show. That means your money back guarantee means even if you lose money in the first 90 days, Symbol will refund your initial deposit, no questions asked. So visit Symbol and use the promo code FEELS12 and your deposit will have a money back guarantee up to 500 smackers. Join Symbol and start investing and profiting from your favorite teams. All right, and we're back. Dustin, obviously coming off a huge win at West, or at Kansas, moving into a much more difficult game at West Virginia, 2.30 kick on Saturday. Uh, a team at night. I don't like Morgantown at any time of day, but I think <laughs> 2.30, 11 a.m. is weird, and 6.30, 7.30, it's way too much time in the day for those guys to get drunk. So 2.30 kick in Morgantown, a team that looks like they're finding their stride what are you seeing? Is has anything really changed with them, or or is this a little bit of smoke and mirrors? What's kind of your thoughts on the on the Mountaineers? Yeah, they're kind of a weird team, which you just alluded to. They lost to Maryland, uh, then they have the win against small school. They beat they beat Virginia Tech, lose to OU. That's before Caleb Williams, lose to Tech, get crushed by Baylor beat TCU, and then come back with the huge win at home against Iowa State. So they're kind of a weird team. I think they, they've kind of – not them as a team have hit their stride, I don't think, but Jared Dagey, their quarterback, has played a lot better recently. I know he had the two picks against Iowa State, but one of those was an RPO and hit his receiver right in the hands, and it kind of flew out. The second pick was pretty terrible, but overall he had a pretty good game. I think he threw it, what? 46 times yeah 30 for 46 for 370 yards three touchdowns and then the two interceptions but obviously like I said to his credit and then at the game before I don't know I don't know if he had any touchdowns or interceptions but he threw it around a bunch and get over 200 yards a pretty good completion percentage again and he's just it it's weird because the backup green younger guy can move with his legs the fans were calling from him early in the season after a couple losses with Daggy at quarterback. And now Daggy's been playing well and they're just mixing green in as kind of a change of pace guy, which it is weird. Sometimes they'll leave him in for a whole series, but normally he'll just come in and run some QB power uh, zone read stuff. He, he will throw it every now and then, but I think their big kind of change is, is Daggy and their offensive line kind of gelling similar situation to, to OSU, kind of a bunch of not super experienced guys coming together, looking pretty bad at the beginning of the season, rotating out right tackles, same as OSU is doing. And now they're actually kind of finding their stride on the offensive line. They're able to protect them a little bit. And I, I don't think he was sacked. Well, I was going to say, and, Dustin, that, that tracks with, if you look back on some of their box scores before their bye week. So the first, the previous two games before their bye week, Baylor and against Texas Tech, Deggy was sacked five times at Baylor and two times at home against Texas Tech. After the bye week, Deggy's been sacked once at TCU yeah. and got sacked zero times against Iowa State. Yeah, and they were able to against Iowa State do what me and you wanted Oklahoma State to to do against Iowa State. They hit on so many passes outside the hashes. Deggy was just tearing them up outside I think I have off the look but I'm pretty sure I wrote down his stats on those and they were 
pretty wild. <laughs> it's it, literally like pretty much all he threw at. What's interesting to me is just the volume of passes thrown by Daggy in that game. You really don't see 46, at least in, in Oklahoma State games, you're not seeing 46 passes thrown. Uh, and and that didn't happen last week against Iowa State, didn't happen against the, the week before against Texas. And so that will be interesting to see if the way – that West Virginia chose to attack Iowa state last week is the way they choose to attack Oklahoma state because they weren't hitting on, you know, several deep passes. They were hitting on kind of those, those chunk plays outside the hashes. Um, and so I will be very interested to see if after the success they had against Iowa state, if they're patient enough to do the methodical work against the defense that I, I don't know what happened against Iowa state. I don't know if Iowa state fell asleep or what happened, but that was not the same defense that Oklahoma state saw. Not even close. You, I, I don't know if you watched that game live, but yeah. that team just had a different look, different feel to them. And I, I, Iowa state just didn't look like the same team. Yeah. I was able to watch that game and then uh, TCU and the Baylor game. And I have those stats on outside the hashes from Iowa state. He went, 15 of 23, Daigie did, for 193 yards, one touchdown, and then that one pick, but that that pick was kind of a side check down pass, so I don't even know if we should really count that one, but 15 of 23 for 193 yards, so just tore Iowa State up on those passes, just underneath on their zone coverage, like you said, not a lot, not a lot of stuff over the top, just taking what the defense gave him, which which Sanders did as well, I think there was just not as many route concepts for in the Oklahoma State game outside that he could have hit, but yeah, that just kind of scheme was on offense. Neil Brown, their coach, came from Troy after taking Troy to three straight bowl games. I'm pretty sure they were ranked in the top 25, knocked off LSU, almost beat Clemson the year they won it all. He's a air raid guy, was with Hal Mummy, who, you know, basically inventor of the air raid, and Leach, background at Kentucky. That's where he played. And also kind of weird, I found this out when – doing some research and looking up some film on these guys, but the co-OCs at West Virginia, Gerard Parker and Chad Scott both played with Neil Brown at Kentucky. So all of them played there together. So Brown and Parker call the plays. They're on the headset together. Um, there's been some weird rumblings recently. I saw an article recently that Brown has not had his headset on at times. So I don't know if Parker's just kind of solely taking over the play calling, but it's a power air raid style, which people call Oklahoma State a power spread team. So think air raid concepts like mesh, shallow cross, wide cross, stuff like that, but mixed in with that heavy zone run scheme. And they'll also mix in the power. So he likes his teams to be able to run the football, but he has those air raid tendencies as well. And I would just think of it like a Mike Leach, how mummy coaching tree type of thing. They... They'll take deep shots. They've got uh, Ford Wheaton, wide receiver. They'll hit him down the field. They like to go to Winston Wright. He's kind of their slot guy. Sean Ryan plays on the outside. Uh, Sam James, solid guy at the H spot. So th they've got a lot of guys at receiver, but this offense pretty much runs around Ford Wheaton, Daigie, Wright, and then Letty Brown at running yeah. back. He's not... He's not your Bijan. I don't think he's your Brees Hall, but he's right below those guys. And I think he has a really similar running style to Jalen Warren. He's a little bit taller, but they're both about 215 pounds. And they're not afraid to run through you. And both of them are zone running backs who specialize in the cutback. Warren's, I think Warren's better, but I'm a little biased. 
but Letty Brown can do a great job. And Letty Brown has another element to his game. He they'll split him out wide. They go like to go five wide and they'll split him out. I, I saw that one of the negatives on Letty Brown when he was going for the draft and getting kind of his draft grade last year was pass protection and route running at the running back spot. And he's really working on that this season. And you can tell they want to get him the ball as a route runner, kind of boost his draft stock there and because he's good at it. So that's kind of their, that's kind of their main stuff. One of one thing to note, uh, Michael Laughlin, they're tight end. They've thrown it to him about 11 times this year. He got hurt against TCU. He did not play against Iowa State. He's pretty solid. He's been taking a majority of the snaps, but their backup um, Banks, number 85, he played awesome against Iowa State. So I thought that was going to be something to look forward to in the Oklahoma State game with them without Michael Laughlin. But Banks may not be as good of a blocker, but he might be more dynamic, dynamic in the passing game. So he's someone to watch for. Well, you kind of mentioned, you know, going back to one of the things you said, I, Letty Brown's the guy I look at in this offense. I think Deggie's a decent quarterback at times, but sometimes I just don't know what you get out of him. Like, he, he reminds me a lot of Seth, of Seth Deggie. I don't know yes. the relation. Is it brother or cousin? I think it's cousin. They're brothers. They're, They're brothers. brothers. Okay. Yeah. Well, they remind me a lot of each other. They got a big arm, want to run that big, like, old spread offense. But you kind of mentioned this. They're a pro spread, like – they're, they're going to pound the ball and then hit you on the outside. But I'm, I'm looking at Letty Brown's stat line here, and it's interesting how his success almost – like correlation doesn't always equal causation, but I'm looking at it right here. And there are three state straight losses at OU against Texas Tech at Baylor. 15 carries, 17 carries, and 12 carries in those three games. Didn't get above 57 yards in any of those games. In their last two games – 24 carries for 111 yards and three touchdowns against TCU against Iowa state, 22 carries, 109 touch, uh, 109 yards and two touchdowns. So clearly something has changed in that bye week And that was really the, the answer that I wanted. What has changed? And they're getting Letty Brown, the ball more. They're getting him the ball more. And I kind of mentioned it when we first started talking about them. I think the offensive line is just finally starting to come into their own. Yeah. They well, were, I mean, you can were, see that. You can see yeah. it right here with the sacks and Lady Brown getting the ball more. Yeah, exactly. No, great point there. And they even actually have, like we mentioned, Letty Brown isn't a speed guy. He's more of a power runner with some dynamic ability to cut. But they've got Tony Mathis behind him, who is a speed guy. And yep. if you let him get a cutback, he might take it to the house. So you've got to watch out for both those guys in the running game. Like I said, that it's not some of the running back super elite running backs that Oklahoma state has seen in the big 12 this year, but both this one, two punch and specifically Brown, they are solid. And this is going to be a fun game. This is an interesting matchup. What do you think about their defense? Obviously, you know, that's kind of been their, their MO at least over the last several years, that West Virginia defensive line specifically, I mentioned it a couple of weeks ago. They are one of the better units. I actually mentioned it on the, uh, on the rock chalk podcast last week. Uh, Andy asked me, who's the one team outside of OU that you feel like could jump up and surprise Oklahoma State? It's this team right here, and it's because of this unit. I think you got to respect West Virginia's, you know, offense, their talent, but I think that defensive line is legit, and they do a lot yeah. of funky stuff the way Iowa State does with some twisting and stunting. Um, a lot that, of that Oklahoma State's got to look out for. Yeah, and and you've seen our offensive linemen specifically. Specifically, the tackles struggle with twists and stunts at times this year. And West Virginia does 
a lot of that. Basically what that is, is the defensive lineman kind of taking a step forward, like they're going to rush straight through the gap and then looping around each other to kind of cause some confusion. It messes with the offensive line, especially if they're in a zone blocking scheme to make sure that both guys know that they need to take a specific gap and not the player. So it can cause, even if they're in the man blocking, it can, it can cause some confusion there, but yeah, their defense, they, they mainly base out of that three, three, five stack. So three down linemen, but they almost always, and Gundy mentioned it on his radio show, they almost always rush four. So they almost always have their bandit, which is their offensive line defensive end hybrid also coming, but they'll line them up similar to how Jim Knowles does with Brock Martin and Colin Oliver. They'll brush them off the edge. They'll put them in between the nose and the tackle, send them through that way. They're pretty much always sending four and they'll mix in some blitzes as well. But they're, they're, they also do co-DCs, like they do co-offensive coordinators. But Jordan Leslie, he's been with Neil Brown since Troy. And then they have Shadon Brown, who came over from Louisville. He's a defensive backs coach, safeties coach there, who's had some time in the NFL. But their defense, they can get tricky at times. It's a lot of, it's a lot of zone coverage, a lot of quarters, which we've seen a lot recently, a lot of cover three. They'll mix in some Tampa two, some cover two, and they'll throw man out there, but they can confuse you. And like you said, their defensive line with Stills, with Mesador, those guys are beasts. And at that bandit spot I was talking about, they've got guys like Jared Bartless, really, really solid players. And then at almost similar situation to the offense, they just lost Fortune, one of their cornerbacks, and also in the TCU game, he won't be playing against Oklahoma State. But then this guy, their backup, Charles Woods, comes in, gets a pick in the TCU game, and then he's best graded defensive PFF player in the Iowa State game. So kind of situation with O'Laughlin, the backup's coming in and playing awesome. No, it, it's it's very interesting. And, uh, you know, I was, I was trying to think about with, with West Virginia what they do exceptionally well. And I even thought back to that game last year, in Stillwater, obviously the COVID year, but Oklahoma State didn't have a dynamic quarterback in that game, and they still really handled that offensive line well. And I'm curious if that happens again, because if it does, I think Oklahoma State rolls. That's really the matchup that I, I think, and, and shocker, that offensive line versus defensive line is going to dictate this game. I think Oklahoma State's got the advantage at the skill positions. I think they've got it at quarterback. I think they've got it on the defensive side of the ball. But if West Virginia's defensive line is able to create havoc and get three or four, five sacks, create turnovers, who knows where this game goes? Yeah, you've seen it. When Spencer gets pressured early and Gundy talks about it, Casey Dunn talks about it, we've talked about it. If Spencer gets pressured early and he gets off his game, starts getting his footwork a little messed up, he struggles. He struggles through the rest of the game to kind of find his footing again. He This season, he has been able to find it again later in the game but it's cost OSU some drives on offense. So the offensive line, I think they've been doing a decent job in pass protection, but they have got to do a good job of dealing with the different ways that West Virginia will attack on the pass rush. Because if Sanders gets messed up early, gets off his game, gets a little hurried, I think you could see the Oklahoma State offense struggle early. One thing though that I do think is going to happen in both the passing and the rushing game is big plays. West Virginia has had some huge lapses in coverage and even in the run game with their run fits because they do like to bring their safety up in the run game like Oklahoma State does. 
Let me just read you some big plays from these past two games. Iowa State hit on runs of 70, 53, 22, and 23 yards and a pass of 68 yards. Baylor hit on passing plays of 75, 44, and 58, and then rushes of 31 and 30 with a couple 20-yard runs mixed in there as well. I could see Jalen Warren busting a 40-yard run this game. That might be my Jason Bean multiple picks. I think I'm going to go with Jalen Warren busting a 40-plus yard run this game. Because uh, that they're just – I don't know if – I, I don't think it's a lack of discipline because their coaching staff has been the same now for a few years. I just – I don't know what it, what to attribute these big time busts that the West Virginia defense has, but they get hit on a big play almost every game. Yeah, well, and and again, it it reared its head at Iowa State, and that was the one thing that I was curious about if Oklahoma State could duplicate, and I think they can, especially on those cutback lanes with Warren. I think they can duplicate that, and I think maybe this is a, a another Brennan Presley game if they've got trouble bringing guys down in space. Who, who better than to get your, your speedy guy out, out in the flat and, and see what happens. So I will be very intrigued to see if Oklahoma State can, can duplicate that. Yeah, I think, like we said, I think the keys, protecting Sanders early, getting Sanders going in the running game, getting the running game going in general. And then when West Virginia drops back into their zone, taking what you give up, taking what you can get in the zone, even if it's underneath stuff, setting up play action for later in the game to go deep and hit on those big plays that we talked about. Need Spencer to be good Spencer early on. Um, I'll be interested to see how they use his legs. Um, it's it's always an interesting approach to every game, how they tend to use him. You know they're going to mix in some quarterback draw. You know they're going to try to get him moving out of the pocket. In this game in particular, though, if a defense is susceptible to a big play, I'll be really interested to see how they mix in that quarterback draw. Because especially I the, the runs that Brees Hall had last week, were really kind of right up the middle in that in that oh, zone yeah. cutback, but they were right up the middle. So I will be very interested to see how they mix in Spencer's legs. Again, that's always kind of my key to the game, which is not shocking, right? If you've got a quarterback that can do both, but um, man, if if Oklahoma State can control the time of possession, like I think they will, like I know they can, I I don't see this game going south unless Spencer takes it south. Yeah, I agree. And kind of just flipping back to the other side of the ball before we do predictions. I think the defense, I think it's the same thing you kind of talked about with the offense. I think it comes down to line play because West Virginia's line has been playing really well. Letty Brown and Mathis are good running backs. Can you stop the running game? And can you not let Daigie get into a rhythm? You talked about how much he threw it 46 times against Iowa State. And they throw it in the past three games. They've thrown it 47% of the time on first down. So almost a 50-50 split. With running the ball. So to give you some comparison, Oklahoma State throws it about 37% of the time in the past three games on first down. So almost 10, 12, 13% more going about 50% for, for West Virginia. So that's, they want to throw the ball around and that's what they want to do. And if, if they can get into a rhythm, I don't think, like you said, he's, he's not an elite quarterback, but if he gets into a rhythm, we could see him put up some, yard, some yards, but I, I don't think that's going to happen. But it's key for the Oklahoma State defense, especially in their man coverage, to lock up and not let them not get beat deep. Well, what, what's interesting is, as we've been talking, I've been kind of going back over the box score last year about what went wrong for West Virginia because the way I remember that game going was, okay, I remember Daggy playing pretty well. I remember a long touchdown pass. I mean, literally, the, the, the three guys we've talked about in Jared Daggy. 
He's 20 at 37 for 285 yards and a touchdown, no turnovers last year. Let, I'm sorry, he did have a turnover and a fumble, but no picks. Uh, Letty Brown, 26 carries, 104 yards. And uh, Winston Wright Jr., six receptions, 127 yards and a touchdown with a 70-yarder. And then T.J. Simmons had a 40-yarder mixed in there. So they had success last year. Oklahoma State still won by 14 points. And, and th- that's in large part to, due to a defensive touchdown, a long cut play in the run game. But again, it will be very interesting to see if they can duplicate that again this year because the style of play hasn't changed on either side. Oklahoma State wants to beat you, suffocate you on defense, and hit you on the run game. It doesn't change much at all to me. And um, I don't know. I've got a lot of confidence in this game. Do you have any other notes before we kind of move into the, predict- the prediction side of this? No, I think I'm good. Uh, one thing I do, I guess I do have one more. One thing I didn't hit on because it's kind of important because we saw it in Iowa State. West Virginia doesn't do a lot of straight play action. They do, they run a lot of RPO. Mm. And we saw Purdy, Knowles mentioned it after the Iowa State game, and we saw it during the game. Purdy was able to hit on those RPOs, getting the safeties to bite down. You saw it multiple times on Colby Harbell Peel and bust those for big plays with that slant route over the top. And West Virginia goes to that zone slant RPO quite often. So I want to see – now that, now that Oklahoma State has been beaten by it with Purdy, I want to see how they make some adjustments and are able to kind of stop the West Virginia RPO game because that's they don't really use play action as much. They kind of just go to the RPO game if they want to have the run pass action. That's a fantastic point. Makes me a little nervous, um, but especially, you know, I even think back, I think their long touchdown pass last year, uh, to Winston Wright was that zone slant RPO. I think that's exactly what they hit us. Yeah, on. I think and it you're goes right. for 70 yards. So um, will be interesting to see how they adjust. And and certainly they they you would hope that they've made some adjustments. But Dustin, I've, I've got a prediction on this. I, I thought a lot about it, and you know, I again I've already mentioned that this was the the game of this this final stretch that I thought Oklahoma State could slip up on. But I'm not going to stop drinking the orange Kool Aid now. Um, I, I've got Oklahoma State 31, West Virginia 20. Um, and I think that's I think that's because of the defense mainly. I think the defense plays very well. I, I love that prediction because it's the exact same as mine. So I, I may change mine. <laughs> hey, for the listener, we don't talk about any of this beforehand. That's amazing. So I was talking to our buddy Alex Fuller, who came up, helped us come up with the name of the podcast. And I, I think I said 27 to 20 to him. And he had a little bit bigger uh, Oklahoma State victory points wise. So I think I bumped it up to 31. So I'll just go, I'll go with my original 27 okay. to 20. So so that way it doesn't seem like we've, we've been copying each other. I like that a lot. Yeah. Um, and this, the spread I see it at three in the over under at 49 and a half. So I think that puts, that put me under barely, you over. Barely over and covering. I, yeah. I like that a lot. 3120 yeah. feels good. I, I want to see if if they need Tanner Brown much. It feels like this defense at West Virginia, you know, again, they're trying to create havoc, but it doesn't seem like they're, you know, a, a juggernaut by any means. If you get in the red zone, have some success. I think, I think you score early, you may score often in this one, but we'll see. Saturday will tell us. Yeah. And if if they score more than 20, I would be shocked. They put up in Big 12 play, they put up 13 against OU. 20 against Tech, 20 against Baylor, 29 against TCU. So that's the first one over 20. And then against Iowa State, they had 38. But I believe 
I may be wrong, but I'm pretty sure one of those was a pick six. I think you're correct. You're exactly so correct. Thir- so 31 from the offense, I believe. So there, and there probably was some other special teams and defensive touchdowns in some of those other games. But basically my point is they haven't really scored more than 20 very many times in Big 12 play. Well, I, against this defense, again, I said that's the key to the game for OSU. I, I think it shows up in a big way. And again, you got to think they feel good about themselves after this last weekend. So, uh, Dustin, before we move on to some final thoughts, let's hear a word from a new sponsor on the podcast, Gridiron Metalworks. There's a specific set of rules I live by, and one of those is that no tailgate is complete without a grill. No tailgate of mine, at least. And I know that no grill is complete without Gridiron Metalworks. Uh, these guys are fantastic. If you haven't heard of them, take a look. They do great work. They do collegiate-branded grill grates, griddles, flower pots, stainless steel bookends, coasters, can coolers, and it's all in Oklahoma State school colors. I don't know if you've been walking through the store before. You see something with the Oklahoma State logo, but it really resembles the suit that Lloyd wore in Dumb and Dumber. You know exactly what I'm talking about. And it's not even close. But these guys at Gridiron Metalworks, they nail the color. And with their products, you know, with their grill grates, you can sear your steak, burgers, brats, veggies, and they give you the perfect Pistol Pete mark every time. Plus, in addition to all that, this is the perfect gift to shop for. I know we got the holidays coming up right around the corner, and you probably know somebody in your life who you need something to buy something for, whether it's a boss, family member, coworker, whatever it may be. I bet you know who they like, what team they support, where they went to school, and I bet they're a Big 12 school. And if they are... Every single Big 12 school has a product through Gridiron Metalworks. So go check them out. Um, these are high quality, custom cut, made in the United States. And right now, when you use the promo code FEELS12, you'll actually get 15% off your first purchase. It's a fantastic deal. Um, I don't know if my wife's listening. I want one of these. Speaking of you know, somebody that's hard to purchase for, that's me. I know I do not have a Pistol Pete grill grate on my grill, but I wish I did. And uh, maybe she's standing outside the door listening to me. I could I could only help. But again, right now, use the promo code FEELS12 and you'll actually get 15% off your first purchase. It's a very generous offer and very thankful for that. I'm wondering if I can use my own promo code. I'll have to run that up the flagpole. Uh, the kicker, all orders over 100 bucks get free shipping. And so if you're a K-State fan, a West Virginia fan, uh, and you're looking for a grill grate, griddle, or a unique metal home good for your collection, just visit gridironmetal.com and use our promo code FEELS12 for 15% off your first order. Okay, we're back. Uh, wrapping up the show, some final notes here. As we record, Dustin, the college football playoff rankings just came out. Uh, you've got Oklahoma State coming in at 11. What do you think? Too high, too low, just about right? I like it. I like yeah. it. I could have seen them jumping into the top 10, but I like them ahead of Baylor. If Baylor would have been in front of them, I would have been very upset. So I like Oklahoma State right there. I I haven't really come up with any thoughts on the rest of it. I mainly was just focusing on where Oklahoma State was at and where Baylor was at. But I I, I think eleven is good. What, what I like I like your approach to it. Uh, the only other note I had, uh, and this is just interesting in the in the Big Twelve scheme of things. Obviously, was looking at where Baylor is. That was a common theme. Uh, if you had the head-to-head matchup in a, in a, against a team with a similar resume, that winning team every time was ahead of the team that they beat. So that's a good trend. Yeah. You would want the games to matter, right? 
Uh, my favorite thing that happened was OU coming at number eight. <laughs> it's not, and I don't even know if that's fair. I don't even think that that's warranted. I think at some point you have to factor in that they won the games, right? Like, well, I've, I'm going to go with fair. Okay. All right. I'll and honestly, and honestly, I would have been fine with 18. <laughs> I mean, hey, I love it. I love it. And I laughed. I'm not going to lie. I see the OU <laughs> logo come up, number eight. I laugh because I'm like, oh, sports animal. Other networks are going to have a freaking field day with this. And you know, Traber is just going to lose his mind about it. But it's interesting because it matters now. Like it actually matters where you're at. Yeah, we might have to get uh, we might have to get Eddie Radosovich's thoughts Ooh, on it. Let's I'm call sure. it a favor. I haven't, <laughs> I haven't, uh, I haven't listened to his radio show or podcast yet um, to talk about. That. I mean, obviously they just came out, but I would, I would love to do that because Eddie's a funny guy. So now we've sure we've actually talked to him on before uh, on a on a former network. So it would be good to get him back on. But yeah, it's a big one. I think Oklahoma State's right there. You gotta wonder. I mean, again, we don't have to break it down too much. Cincinnati coming in at number six, I think uh undefeated they may be on the outside looking in period so it will just be really interesting to see how this shakes out and if a two loss alabama gets in i'm 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 done with it i'm done with the college football playoff (laughs) burn it down burn it down baby um well dustin i mean anything else before we get out of here it's been a fun one i think i'm good and i will still put out some i've got the stats all ready to go so i'll put those out on twitter sometime this week when I get a chance and I'll try to cut some video from, from our game. And then from the, uh, some of West Virginia stuff that I watched in those three games I was talking about. Yeah, no, it's fantastic. Well, and if you're not following the Twitter account, it's a fantastic segue. Uh, what Dustin is doing on the analytics, all I do is make jokes. And sometimes they, <laughs> most of the time they suck. So Dustin is actually doing the heavy lifting on the Twitter. So let's not get that twisted. It is the yeah. best well, breakdown. Lot, well, I do some, and and you do a great job on the breakdowns, and you're educating me daily. I mean, I ask you questions <laughs> on the podcast, like because I'm like, dude, you're a wealth of knowledge, and I'm thankful to have you on the program. <laughs> so, uh, if you're not following the Twitter account at Feels Like Forty Five Pod, it's the best breakdown you're going to get for free anywhere on Twitter, anywhere on the internet. Everybody else is going to make you pay for that, and we don't. Um, so give us a follow and give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. It helps us out tremendously. Uh, helps us add new sponsors, uh, as, we, as we've mentioned. We've got two on the program now. We want more, though, and I want more. I want Curdy on here, baby. Let's go. I, I'm literally begging oh, I'm, at this uh, point. I'm wearing my Spencer Sanders Mag Sports shirt. <laughs> Oh, so, let's let's get Spence on the pod. We, yeah, maybe get a hook up. So Spencer, I know you're not listening, but got your shirt on. Looks maybe cool he on. is though. Maybe he is. Maybe. We maybe. crack enough good jokes. Maybe maybe we'll get the uh, <laughs> team to start tuning in. Well, Dustin, it's been fantastic. And again, thank you for jumping on. All things considered, a, a true man of the people. I mean, the fact that you, 96 hours later, post baby, you're still grinding. It's a testament to to the character that you have. So, I appreciate yeah, you. I, Doing that for you guys, uh, probably have to go. Uh, probably have to go deal with you know some thoughts from my wife after this, but do it for you guys. So, <laughs> well, thank you for your service, my brother. I appreciate you as always. And again, follow us at Feels Like Forty Five Pod. You can follow Dustin on Twitter at Dust Ragu and follow me at Cade Webb. And we'll see you back here next week. Go, folks. <laughs>